1: What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. This is your Thursday, January twelfth episode. We have a good episode here that I think is going to dig into a really important, the most important, Burning Brown's question, as we have done traditionally throughout the season, and as we will continue to kind of push into the off season, doing so with Jared Mueller. If you missed yesterday's pod, I had to flip flop Jared and Jordan because uh, Jared was doing some traveling, different things, and and um, uh, you know uh, we talked yesterday with Jordan about 2022s. Uh, full season awards and really demerits too because there you go seven and ten not a ton to be all too positive about with giving out season ending awards but there were a lot of discussions around the good and bad well worth your time it's a long one but it's well worth your time to to dig in and thought process around a lot of the players on this roster the disappointment the guys who played well there's there's just some different angles there and I think it's well worth your time so go check that one out the thing I want to talk to to uh to Jared about today is the defensive coordinator situation as we know it? Now we do not know much outside of today. We know Jim Schwartz interviewed on this uh, on this on this Wednesday. They're going to have more interviews, including Flores, over the coming days. And then there's other names, obviously, that are uh, that are floating out there as well. So they're going to get to those guys. It feels like there, there's a hurried process here, but not too hurried. So. Um, you know, I think they're going to interview their guys, but they're not going to draw this out all too long. They are going to interview everybody they talk about. It's like they're going to walk away with a hire this week or something like that. But it does feel like they're moving in the direction of getting their, their several interviews done, maybe doing a second one with a couple of them, and then making that hire, I would imagine, in the next 10 to 15 days is my hunch. So uh, we want to dig in on a very, uh, in my opinion, the most important question of this defensive coordinator hire. So I'll welcome in Jared Mueller now, and then we will dig into this question. Jared, what's up, buddy?
2: Man, not a whole lot. I mean, it feels like forever ago that Joe Woods was fired, right? Like it is, I think, officially Wednesday. I'm actually on the West Coast. Uh, so it is it's a different experience for me just kind of figuring out what time of day it is there. Uh, but man, doesn't it feel like uh, Joe Woods got fired a week or so ago?
1: It does. You, you quickly move on from the, the regular season when it doesn't go well. And then you get into the off season, and it felt like the, the morning of that hire, the firing happening early in the morning kind of made it feel like it was a Sunday fire in a sense. And uh, from that, you get uh, almost an extra day of discussion around it. So, listen, here's the question, Jared. Like, I think this is the single most important question. Now, we've heard some things today, um, you know, in terms of I think Albert Breer, who seems to make more appearances on Cleveland radio than anybody I've ever known, uh, was out there today and made a couple little things um, known. He said he's talked to people they think Brian Flores has a really good shot at this job. Uh, Another thing that he said was, um, I think according to, I think he was on 92.3, it was where he made the visit, but, you know, the the connections thing, and that's what we're all trying to do is is draw connections. So Breard said that Flores might be the favorite, Sean Desai is a connection to Stefanski would run maybe potentially a Vic Fangio style scheme if they can't get, you know, Evero seems to be a tough one to interview because he might be getting a bunch of head coaching interviews and ultimately be retained in Denver. You never know what that's going to look like, but the thing that's interesting to me are the connections. And when you draw the connections, it's pretty obvious, right? You know, you have Andrew Berry's connection to Jim Schwartz from the Philadelphia days. You obviously have uh, Stefanski's connection to Desai. There's a little bit of a connection there. And obviously, the Vic Fangio style stuff that's very popular. And then the Flores stuff is a player draw. I think there's no doubt Flores and Mayo come from a very aggressive, attacking, phil- uh, you know, a New England Patriots mindset. And there's a draw there. There's, there's respect around the league. And the Browns are trying to do two things. I think it's important to understand that the Browns are not trying to solve just schematic things here. They are trying to solve a culture problem on the defense because I think that is where the biggest part of the culture problem rooted this year. And now, you can go back and look at last year, the quarterback and um, you know Odell and talk about the culture of the offense, but they have not had high-level culture problems on the offense, in my opinion, as far as players – acting out in a certain way. Um, I don't think we've seen that. We were built to believe that there was a culture problem on the offense last year, 21. Uh, I don't think it was as bad as people thought. They just weren't getting the quarterback playing from that. A really unhappy wide receiver wanted out. And um, I think a lot of the speaking out, a lot of the undisciplined stuff that pops up week to week, lacking communication, the things like the accountability things happened on the defensive side of the board. Not that the, the, the offense was perfect, but I think we could all agree that the culture side of the defense to me seems to be a bit more of a problem. So I think that's a really big part, Jared, of what they're trying to solve here with this hire, on top of obviously schematic advantages. So So my thing here is pretty simple. Um, you know, I think most of the guys that they're looking at, I don't know Desai well enough to know about his cultural impact. But anytime you hear people talk about Jim Schwartz, Flores, in the, in the in the small amounts of things I've heard about Mayo have all been very strong players coach accountability um, love to play for them type of things like those are those are what they're trying to solve here and from that root comes what they bring right so Schwartz is going to bring the safest hire in my opinion for what they have and what they have done from a personnel standpoint from a Um, I'm trying to to tread this carefully, non-controversial approach, uh, because we all know that the Flores stuff has brought on a bunch of controversy. And again, that's not to say Flores is right or wrong. He just has brought on some controversy of late. And it's like like what I think is going to happen is if, if Schwartz is hired, it's going to be, under a philosophical standpoint, a very similar defense to the one we have seen in recent memory. That doesn't mean they don't get cleaned up a lot of the issues that they need to get cleaned up, and they're they're fine. They're good. But what I think can happen with the other side of this, with the Mayo and Flores side, um, you start to look at this from, this is going to take some personnel changes. It's going to be a completely different-looking defense, attacking a lot of crazy fronts, a lot of man-to-man left on an island, some covers, an up massive uptick in cover zero and aggression. Um, I'm not saying that Flores and Mayo cannot alter what they like to do to fit the Browns, and I think they will. But at the core, they are still very aggressive coaches. And with that, you can alter some things, but that's what they're going to want to bring to put their stamp on the defense in Cleveland. So the question I think is really key here is how how big do they want to swing? Because with Flores, I think you're getting – the most broadly respected from a player standpoint coach that they could get a guy who comes with a very, uh, you know, uh, aggressive and preferable relationship on the defensive side of the ball with players. You hear players talk about them all the time. They like him a ton, but again, there's a massive schematic change there. That to me is a big risk because if you don't get the personnel to correctly fall in line with what they want to do right away, that can potentially equal to a disaster. Now Schwartz, and I, and I think somebody who's bringing in Fangio's style of defense, so somebody like a Desai, would, in my opinion, be less of a risk. I think you have guys on that side who are base four three guys like to play. You know, as far as Schwartz goes, love that wide nine. Um, don't prefer to blitz much and try to generate pressure with the front four in unique ways. Um, that stuff to me screams a safer hire. So I guess the question I have is how aggressive or how how do you prefer they go, Jared? Do you think they should go for the safer, this fits, what we have, less movement required in the offseason type of Schwartz, Desai hire, or do you think they should go all in on a completely different defensive approach, take a swing on Flores, or Mayo, and allow those guys to completely overhaul things because it will be a complete overhaul and defensive shift of thought. It's more, it's way more aggressive. There's no denying it. And you can talk about altering the scheme and stuff, but it is so aggressive. So I'm curious, do you like how big a swing do you think they should make here? Is it desperation type of swing, or is it they think they're close? They just need a leader of what they currently have and can mold to what they have and they're going to win enough ball games next year. So that's where I'm curious from your perspective on yeah. that side. I think before I get to
2: that detail, I think the bigger question that you're asking that I'll be really intrigued about all off season, not just for the defensive coordinator job is really how do they look at the decisions they've made over the last three years and how do they look at this year? So obviously No matter what Jimmy Haslam has or hasn't said, this 2023 is going to be very important for Andrew Barry and Kevin Savansky and even possibly Paul Paul D. Podesta. And so the real question they have to ask themselves is, do they want to go down swinging with what they have valued? what they thought was important, what they thought would work, whether you're talking about uh, acquiring certain types of players, whether you're talking about the style of coaching that Joe Woods had, or at least schematically, uh, or talking about the players that are already on the team, or do they look at that and say, we've tried that for three years and we're still going to have some of that as our base, but we've done three years of that. So we've got a lot of young guys, athletes, this, that, the other, But right now for year four, we're going to need to plug in something different. Um, In a lot of ways, what you're even describing is both systematic, but also kind of the intangibles, right? And so whether that is, you know, throwing out some of the age guardrails, throwing out some of the uh, speed and height and, and some of that kind of guardrails. Or when you're talking about this, you're talking about scheme versus right? Brian Flores, aggressive, players coach, same thing with Jared Mayo, right? Not only are you talking about scheme differential, but you're also talking about things that are are a little harder to measure, uh, a little harder to kind of put your finger on. And um, from just kind of understanding of of how the math works, right? There's more variance to what you're describing, right? There is safety in, or there should be, in a well-run Vic Fangio style of defense, where you're in cover two, three, four, six, right? You're you're in those kind of schemes where most of the time you're keeping things in front of you, uh, in zone you can uh, get a, you should get more interceptions. You have more people in coverage because you're trusting your front four to get where they need to go, right? All of that stuff is is more of a safe way of going. Um, but they have at some level, they've played it safe, right? Drafting the 21 year old instead of the 23 year old is a safe play because the 21 year old is more likely to develop higher level skill, all of that kind of stuff. So I think in the end, that's really going to be the overarching important question that they will answer based on their behaviors. Are they going to just say, we're going to ride or die with what we have been doing because we really believe in it? Or are we going to supplement what we have done for three years, and really kind of go in a different direction where we value other things to again complement the youth, the athleticism, whatever. And let's let's not be safe, right? The Deshaun Watson play was not a safe play, but on the field he's a very talented player. But maybe let's go in that other direction. So for me, I'll be honest. I think the biggest thing for me isn't really the scheme. It is that intangible of, of changing culture. And so who do they believe is going to, listen, I don't give a flying rip about rah-rah and he looks passionate and all that bullcrap. That stuff doesn't matter. We only complain about it when the other side isn't working. And then when the rah-rah doesn't work, we complain about it too, because he's too emotional and, and isn't logical and whatever. So For me, it's really about that culture of being a leader, someone who put the players in the right position, make them want to play for you, uh, but not, again, it doesn't have to be rah-rah, and and really kind of push the players to be the best that they can be, whereas it almost seemed like Joe Woods for the last three years was like, we're going to do this. Go ahead and do it, guys. Here's what we're going to do, and... It really didn't put the players in the best position to succeed. Uh, So overall, that's kind of what I'm looking for. I do think Denzel
1: Ward. So who um, is that for you, Jay? That's my my question. Like, do you think they need to take a swing on a different philosophical approach? Or is there enough good here that they can say somebody who can come in and fix the culture, who can fix the preparedness, who can fix the miscommunication that comes with a more prepared nature is good enough? Because that is the key question. Like, do they need to just completely? I mean, because look around the division, the Ravens are <laughs> hyper aggressive, and they have been traditionally. Um, and then Pittsburgh plays an odd front aggressive approach too. Since he's more in the middle, um, trending toward more what Cleveland has done. But I'm just, uh, I'm just yeah. curious. Like a lot of people will clamor for this year. They'll clamor for the blitzing and the and the floor as aggressive nature. And Costco at Pro Football Focus put out some data on just how aggressive they are. Like that's what I'm I'm curious from you is do you think they need that big change, or do you think they got yeah. enough here to just hold down the fort and continue on? You know I think they I think
2: they need Brian Flora. I think Brian Flores is the he would be who I would choose for two reasons one I do think the whole leader of men they want to play for him is really really important in the NFL not again it doesn't matter about rah rah but they actually want to play for this guy. They believe in the guy. The other thing I think is I've heard from Denzel Ward for a couple years and I I've heard, uh, enough from Greg Newsome and maybe even from John Johnson, uh, but definitely from Greg Newsome and Denzel Ward that they would prefer to be in, in man. And I think Martin Emerson likes to be physical. I think he, he has the length and all that, the height to play off and, and zone and all that stuff. But I think when you look at kind of that Goal of, of is it going to be the hyper aggressive, put him on an island? I'm not saying any cornerbacks in the NFL anymore can get away with that on a regular basis, but I do think the Browns would have three, their top three cornerbacks would fit well in that role. Emerson wants to grab every receiver he sees come by him, Denzel wants to mirror everyone, and Newsom wants to do a little bit of both. So I do think Brian Flores would be, if I had to choose, he would be my pick. Um, and I think in the end, The Browns need players, coaches that other people want to be a part of. And I think that's the third part of Flores is I think he's drawing those free agents. Now, obviously, the Bears and some other teams have a lot of cap space and they're going to really screw up the free agent market. But I think there will be veterans and there will be talented players that uh, may take a little less to play alongside or in the same defense with Miles Garrett. Ward, all those guys, uh, JOK, as well as to play for Brian Flores. I think that is going to be a huge selling point. So, across the board, I think Flores makes a lot of sense. I'm not going to pretend to know enough about Mayo. Um, Obviously, people will talk about the Patriots kind of tree, but that generally is a head coach issue and not so much a coordinator style of an issue. Um, But I love that he's a former first round pick uh, and then went basically pretty quickly into coaching. And so he could have rested on his laurels, probably been okay financially, um, but he went through the grind of wanting to coach pretty quickly after retiring. So there's a lot of value there as well. I just think Flores would be kind of, I'm almost at the Flores go for the high ceiling uh, and everything he can provide or go safe with Jim Schwartz. I feel like the other guys might be a little bit too much in the middle. And I think the Desai, if it's because of Savansky and he's similar, I think that is, you know, from a gambling perspective, I think that is just uh, chasing bad money, which you've been doing over the last three years with good money, the opportunity to make a difference this year.
1: Yeah, the crux of this whole thing is dependent on which of these styles you prefer. I th- Again, I think most of who they're attacking here are guys that are well-respected and will drive respect from the players and will do wonders for the culture because, you know, Flores, Schwartz, they bring experience from the angle of being a former head coach, being around those things. I still think Desai is a long shot for this job, but I can certainly see where his draw of people he's been around could also be a nice piece of experience in running his own defense away from Kevin. Uh, those things are, are certainly a draw too, but I, I really lean the the angle they're taking here is they want either somebody who's a fiery young up and comer. Uh, comes from the right coaching tree, or he's a proven guy. And that's why a guy who's been through the head coaching ringer, a guy who's run his own defenses uh, multiple times. It makes sense to me that the two leaders in the clubhouse will be Flores and Schwartz. So, We'll Mm -hmm. see. Um, Those two interviews are happening first. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a mistake in the way they did it, uh, or or some hidden. um, Listen, put this way: I think it's out in the open. I think I think it's very obvious (laughs) that those are the two that are leading. Now, does that mean they either get both of them? Those two services are going to be in demand across the league. Doesn't mean they don't get them, but we don't we won't necessarily know if uh, if they were offered the job or not. Um, We could get out, could leak, but for the most part, we're left to guess here. So we'll see who they hire. I think as we sit here on january 11th as we record this it feels to me like it's one of those two with some head coaching experience they can lean into so we're going to take a break uh uh, really our only break of this episode and come back and talk about that former head coaching aspect that uh, a lot of people are tying into this next hire so we'll be right back
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: Personally, Jared, I think that the head coaching experience is this and this only. It's an opportunity for Kevin to lean into the experience of another guy who's been in some situations, get some advice, get some perspective, and that's it. A lot of these discussions, now generally coming from people who don't think Kevin's the long term answer, are building this, this concept of uh, the interim head coach off of this hire. That to me is. It's an, a totally backward way to think about this. Now, I don't – like I don't think they're going to hire this defensive coordinator from a high-level perspective. They already said Kevin's hiring the guy, so it eliminates a lot of the, the sort of fodder there. But 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 to the general point of, well, this guy would be a great interim head coach. First of all, you don't even know who they're going to name the interim head coach. You never know. It's sometimes Jeff Saturday off the TV studios. <laughs> like it is – You don't know that, and you're not. And the last time the Browns hired a coordinator who we thought would come in and be the interim when a guy was fired, it was Todd Haley, and he got fired at the same time. My point is, they're not hiring this guy with that in mind. And secondly, no right minded coordinator is saying, I need to go to Cleveland because I view this as a mid season failure opportunity where I will then get a chance to be the head coach through the interim label. Look at like the example here, Jared, to me is Steve Wilkes, formerly with the Browns back in 2019, goes to Carolina, takes the interim job as the defensive coordinator, now head coach for Matt Rogan. done a great job, nearly led the Panthers to the playoffs amidst, as we know how bad Baker Mayfield was there. We know how rough that thing was going for them in general, rallied the, the group, and he still might not even get that job. So, like, what why would any coach, like, Flores is clearly going to at some point get another opportunity? Mayo is going to get ladder climbing opportunities. The same for Desai. Schwartz is going to get opportunities somewhere. They're not coming here to, to be like, oh man, I could get that interim job and maybe the full that, that that's just not that's not how it works, man. And I think that's actually the flip side of it. Why would you want to go to a place that you think is going to fail midseason? Because one of your guys are the root of that failure. You know, like that, then then you're out. You know, so it's just it's not I think that is a NFL fan talking about this without understanding what actually goes into it, in my opinion. Do you have a, a disagreement there? Because I just I just don't see that angle why a coach would ever take a coordinator job looking at the failure part of it as a as a draw. That that's yeah. crazy to
2: me. And I think the only coach that is is not going to be one in demand, right? So Todd Haley wasn't really in demand when they did that with Hugh Jackson. And that was also a, an organization in disarray when Jimmy Haslam still thought having competition among your lead executive and, and head coach was a really good idea because he that's what he does in business, right? He wants the sales and the the whatever, the marketing people to kind of be competing for the jobs, because if you're competing for power, you're going to do the best. Well, that's just not true in the NFL. And so on neither side does it make sense. And to be very honest, I believe, and by believe, I mean, I feel like I can say I know that if Kevin Stavansky was told or given the indication that he had to hire somebody that had X, Y, and Z involved, or had these qualities, or whatever, that Kevin Savansky would have been fired on Monday, along with Joe Woods, because Kevin Savansky would have said no. Um, and just would have, and it would have been over. It would have, Andrew Barry may have outlasted him because of that. And so, yeah, I think either side never planning for failure it just doesn't make sense in this kind of business, right? Cause in this kind of business, if you have a failure of a year, you just start over next year. This isn't, you know, a company you own where if you have a failure, you're going under and you can't, you know, you're just not going to exist anymore. Any of that kind of stuff. Those kind of companies can plan for failure, think through what the strategies will be, all of that kind of stuff. But in professional sports, failure is generally at worst case scenario, uh, should be just one year. And so, um, you're exactly right. Uh, the defensive coordinator is going, Hmm, maybe I can get this interim job. Well, that doesn't even mean that interim job is going to make you look good either. And so, um, you know, across the board, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense for Stefanski. It doesn't make sense for Barry in a lot of ways. Um, and it doesn't make sense for any of the coaches that would be interested in coming in, but you're exactly right. It is something people want to talk about, or, or at least you know, are interested in talking about, especially as Breer has said, um, and uh, ESPN has also got a piece. Uh, a, it's literally a, a little side note in in one of their insider pieces from Jeremy Fowler that says the Browns value head coaching experience. But I think it's for exactly the same reason you just talked about, which is someone Stefanski and kind of you know feel like he's comfortable with, can chat with about things. But also a little bit like Sean McVeigh and Bum Phillips, when Bum was the defensive coordinator with the Rams, Sean didn't do almost anything with the defense during the day, during the game and really allowed Bum to really kind of take care of that. And so I think for someone like Flores um, or Schwartz or whoever who may – Uh, even the younger guys who want to build their resume to be able to say, really, I was the head coach of the defense, right? I was really running this show. So Stefanski can not only run the offense, but maybe have a little bit more of a hand in Mike Prever's special teams. I think that's what's really going to make uh, the most sense for the Browns. The idea of an interim head coach, I mean, Denver literally brought, I actually don't know the guy's name, some random guy in in the middle of the season fired Nathaniel Hackett with a couple of games left and made that random guy who was a consultant, I believe the head coach, right? So none of that stuff is given teams should never plan for that kind of loser mentality um, outside of like injury, right? Like let's have some backups or whatever. Um, and so it just doesn't make any sense for that to be the primary goal is have a nice interim coach. Cause that also means the season's wasted anyways. I don't how, you know, Steve Wilkes, you're exactly, you know, he, he perfectly said is, you know, he really rallied the troops, still missed the playoffs, right? Still isn't starting to get that job. So, um, it just, it's a talking point, but it's not a talking point for valid reasons. It's a talking point for TMZ oriented reasons.
1: Couldn't agree more. I I just, I just think that that's, it's it's a backward way of thinking. And I know that what Brown's fans mostly here are trying to do is justify what could come in the future. That's what they're always doing, but coaches don't, go into it that way you know it, it, if they fire Kevin we got this great answer and if you go ahead and fire your coach in season it's over brother like that season <laughs> is over there's really very little chance to save it and that guy is typically very very often outside of you know Freddie Kitchens shout, shout out to Freddie who fooled the the uh and he wasn't even the interim head coach he was the of coordinator so that tells you right. even more like the interim head coach rarely gets that job into perpetuity so like It's tough, man. I know that what we want to do is project, 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 but the only projections that are happening from those in the interview process and those in the Browns front office is how do we fix this defense to take it from this level to the next level? Here's the personnel stuff we need to do, and here's the schematic and leader, voice leader, who will help us with this. That's it. Like, that's it, man. Like, they are not looking at it from any downline angle other than they want to get the defense right. And I think the coordinator coming in is buying into Kevin first and foremost, and then buying into the personnel he has to use, and not looking down the line 8, 10, 12 games into the season talking about he could get some opportunity. Like again, these are not no, these are guys Flores. Short, they can get jobs. These are not guys desperate for jobs. So I certainly don't buy into that aspect of interim label uh, influence on the higher. So I think the quicker we can put that to an end uh, is probably the better. So listen, Jared, this stuff is going to be moving rapidly. They're going to do these interviews. Like I said, we're looking at a probably late next week timeline here, but Mm -hmm. I think it's always imperative to uh, sort of peel back, look at what the leaders in the clubhouse are looking at why and really kind of gauge what the Browns should be looking for and what we ultimately think they will be looking for as a means to understand the higher, right. And, and project it first and then understand it later. So good stuff, man. I really like the angle of, of, of wh- where they swing for the fence here. Are they trying to get on base, keep things moving, you know, and take the yep. upgrade of getting on base or are they trying to, <laughs> to swing for the fences? Because I do think there are some hires here that indicate we are trying to just completely overhaul everything about this defense and, and that will be That will not be as easy as people think, but it could end up being the right path. So we'll see about it, man. Listen, we appreciate you very much, Jared. Obviously taking time on the road to join us and yuck it up about defensive coordinator hires in early January, brother.
2: Hey, absolutely. I will, uh, I'll soak up a few extra sun rays for you while I'm out here.
1: (laughs) Hey man, I talked to Jordan yesterday. He was left coasting and said it was raining nonstop in LA. So hopefully you're getting some, uh, oh yeah we're we're about we're about
2: two some hours uh south of that so uh sixty five degrees sunny uh, a few walks on the cliffs and and some great food already today so nice. uh and and it is uh rolling upon like three thirty here so i got we got a lot of daylight left here.
1: He's got a lot of daylight left as I'm wrapping mine up kids are going to bed at six thirty we are out of here for jared for myself. For the OBR and for Dogs by Nature, where Jared continues to put up great content, check that out. Continue to go to the OBR for all your needs, Twitch shows, everything that's readily available. You know that. I have some exciting news coming in the next few days about some merchandise that we're going to do for the uh, OBR Film Breakdown podcast. I think it's going to be pretty cool. Some hats, some shirts. I'll talk to you about the nitty-gritty details of that in the coming days. But, again, I appreciate you being here, listening to this podcast on your fine Thursday, whenever this podcast finds you again. Thanks for stopping by. Have a great day. Go Browns.